You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents network of podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and with me today is Beth Newell and Sarah Papalardo, and they're here today to talk to me about How to Win at Feminism, The Definitive Guide to Having It All and Then Some, publishing by Harper One on October 25th. Beth Newell is the founder and editor of the satirical women's magazine, Reductress. She's written comedy for print, video, and the stage. Her work has been featured on the Huffington Post, The Onion News Network, McSweeney's, and Pendulous Breasts Quarterly, to name a few. Beth teaches sketch writing at the Magnet Theater in New York City. She performs improv as half of the duo Sad Kids and is a cast member of The Stank and sometimes tours the country with Bombardo. Beth has also performed at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, Caroline's on Broadway, and various other New York City venues. Sarah has over 13 years of experience writing, editing, performing, producing, and making cats sit like humans. She's the editor and co-founder of the satirical women's magazine, Reductress, they have that in common, which has been featured in Newsweek, Refinery29, Forbes, the Chicago Tribune, and many other fine publications. Beth and Sarah joined me in our New York studio to talk about the new book. Welcome. Thank you. So you guys do a lot of things. You founded the magazine. You also have a podcast, Mm -hmm. and you travel, you teach. Why a book? Well, we were batting around the idea of doing a book since we launched Reductress, um, but it took a while for us to kind of find the right inspiration, and that came around the end of 2014 when we started noticing um, feminism entering pop culture and the, the media in a way that it hadn't before. Celebrities were kind of coming out as feminists. Um, f- feminism and empowerment was being used in marketing toward women. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we found this maybe slightly more reductive version of feminism um, entering the mainstream, and we wanted to find a way to tackle that in a satirical way. And I, I want to go back to that feminism in the mainstream because there was a quote from the New York Times just this morning around that. But I guess I'm wondering, I'm, I'm very curious when people from other disciplines want to publish a hard copy book. Like, what do you think that does for you in terms of spreading your message and, and reaching your audience? Yeah, so our website has always had sort of a feminist bent to it. It's, you know, comedy written primarily for women, and we talk about a lot of women's issues in a humorous way. And it's kind of limited in like a you know 700 word article how much you can get across and how um, broadly you can discuss a topic Uh, so doing the book was sort of an opportunity for us to just to speak to feminism at large and tackle all the issues in one place got it yeah Yeah. and you're successful at that yeah it is a big fat rich visually really interesting piece which we'll talk i want to talk obviously more about that in a minute but i was I was struck by what you said because I made a note because I was reading the paper on the train this morning and there was an article about awareness 
of women's issues and awareness of feminism. And the Times says that, that this election cycle has placed matters of sex, power, and gender at the center of the national conversation, sort of removing it from the periphery of where those conversations used to take place. And I do think you would agree that it is sort of moving closer to the center. I wonder how you feel about your role in that, and particularly your role in, in, in sort of bringing a lot of these issues to light through this very funny writing that you do. Yeah, um, I think, you know, uh, women have been quietly dealing with feminist issues all along, and we just happen to be living in a year and a time where they're really brought to the forefront of the discussion in a hopefully productive way. Um, I think we're just one cog in the machine of women trying to get get attention for these issues. Yeah, it's been really fascinating to watch, not unlike in 2008, where I think uh, the country was projecting its race issues onto this one figure. We're now seeing all of our gender issues being projected onto Hillary that um, isn't even, you know, necessarily based in fact, but more just like people's own, own reality. And uh, we've had some fun uh playing with that on the site and just how gender's factoring into just this climate right now right so the site is reductress and tell us a little bit about it is it true that it started as a way to sort of um make fun of women's magazines mm-hmm. okay so just tell because it, it's it's a very distinctive and I, I i think a lot of people who are listening are going to know it but i think others are not so please yeah we started primarily as a parody of a women's magazine the site kind of reads as a fake women's magazine and I think the content has sort of broadened out from there to cover women's day-to-day experiences and other issues that we deal with. Yeah the internet has kind of given us a lot more fodder than just kind of like the strict magazine format and we've gotten to take on like clickbait and first person confessionals and things like that while also just tapping into the kind of minutia of women's lives that are overlooked by other um sites that do what we do and you get a lot of visits is 2.5 is that accurate or has it gone up since then that's that's still averages around that that's a lot and who who are your readers like what are there what age range and and who do you know mostly women yeah mostly millennial although Uh there's still a good chunk of dudes in there so it's 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 i would say it's like internet savvy women um you know like college age and above yeah First of all, let's describe the book because you can't see it, but it's this really nice, large, oversized trade paperback. It's got a bunch of four-color illustrations. It's got really zippy graphics and funny photos and a a lot of sidebars. Um, And it promises to be the ultimate guide to winning feminism, teaching readers how to battle the patriarchy better than anyone else. (laughs) And it's, of course, laugh out loud funny. Um, it, it, It promises to tell us things like... Yeah, how to do more with 33 cents less. You got to know. You got to know yeah. because that isn't changing anytime mm-hmm. soon, evidently. Um, how to be sex positive even when you're bloated. Uh, how to love your body even though hers is better. What are some of your favorite pieces from the book? Um, we have one called How to Apologize for Having It All. <laughs> yeah, we have one called uh, The Nine Circles of Hell for Women Who Don't Help Other Women. Yeah, is dating a man feminist? That, you know, that, I, I mean, I know that that's supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that sort of came from 
con real concerns that you probably run into. I say this as a mother of a 17 year old who, you know, they're they're asking themselves this question and you, you are seeking to provide a, a direct answer, right? Well, more, <laughs> I think the goal is more to show how convoluted the answers can be because we're getting so many mixed messages of like, not only how to be a woman, but now how to be a feminist and how to be a, a boss bitch in the workplace and at home and in bed and um, while also like upholding this just impossible standard. So uh, we definitely had a lot of fun playing with these, these mixed messages mm -hmm. we're getting and yeah, I think some of those empowering messages get appropriated into other mediums in ways that then become problematic. So it's it's a yeah, it's like a mis-messaging of the original message or like a uh, oversimplification. Yeah. Or like you said earlier, it's being used as marketing. Mm -hmm. So it sort of takes that message and then it sort of makes it inherently cynical just because they're using it to try to to try to sell you something or try to get you to go somewhere and click on something, right? Yes. And even just like sometimes in no I mean women in everything about office politics and women in the workplace is so important, but when there's like an overfocus on this like high level women in the workplace, it just excludes so many yeah. people who aren't like necessarily participating in consumer culture the way that like you or I would yeah. being here in the city. Yeah, yes. it makes that assumption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like the whole backlash that Sheryl Sandberg faced over Lena and where some women were like, Well, I can't do all those things because I have to deal with X, Y, and Z, you know, yeah. it's <laughs> which was like a, val a valid criticism, but also like she's only one woman. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we, I don't think we like have any stand on like who's right or wrong. Uh, yeah, they're all valid. But and she's kind of like taken ownership of that. Now yeah, too, so yeah, absolutely. Great. I think mm -hmm. she did, and and ever more so now that since her husband's deceased. I think yeah. she's really been articulate about saying, "Oh my goodness, you know, I didn't have any idea." Totally. Um, what were you like in eighth grade? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was pretty nerdy, quiet, like, um, invisible. <laughs> Did you have an idea what you, you wanted to do with uh, your life? No, it took me a while to realize how much I was into comedy. Cause I, I thought everyone was that into comedy. Like I, I was very obsessed, but I was just like, oh, well, everyone loves comedy. Uh, I was really into art. So I think I thought I would be an artist or something like that. Where did you grow up? In Massachusetts. Uh-huh. And Sarah? Yeah, I was, in eighth grade, I can definitely say I was a monster. I was just what do you mean? so, I was, I think my, the entire goal of my life that year was to make my teacher's life a living hell. Yeah. Um, and where and did that come from? I think I was just so bored. I think oh, it was, was it, it was yeah. like approximately like the year before I discovered um, some great like comedy and I found an outlet for, for what I wanted to say um so in the meantime I just kind of just was like a terror <laughs> <laughs> and where um, did you grow up I grew up in Bedford New Hampshire how did you all meet we met at the Magnet Theater uh writing sketch actually um Beth was assistant directing a sketch team I was on and then we eventually were writing an election show together with some other people as well uh-huh and so we actually, we actually didn't know each other for super long before we started working on Reductress maybe like six months wow yeah so let's talk about writing the book how to win at feminism tell I mean you clearly have a very successful writing partnership but what what was it like to work on the book versus your other writing projects 
It was pretty similar. It was just a lot more work at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we le- luckily the proposal was pretty thorough, so we kind of knew exactly what we needed to do, and we just divvied it up. We wrote it with our other editor at the time, Anna Dresden. Uh huh. And uh, we kind of assigned ourselves chapters. We would write them uh, separately and then sort of punch up each other's work and refine it. Yeah. But we definitely, I think, the one one differential from how we operate on the site is there were just a lot of discussions about like honing in what we were trying to say because this is subject material that I don't think a lot of people have like satirized. Um, mm-hmm. We had to make sure we were being very clear of who our target was. And how, mu- how much involvement did you have with the v- all of the visual aspects of the book? Oh, more than I ever expected. Uh, well, was that good or bad? In a, in a good way, okay. in that, but only it was only torture in the sense that I think both Beth and I are like design nuts. So oh, so we're, you're finicky? We're, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, hopefully for a better product, I think we, you know, Beth studied illustration and I just, by nature of previous jobs, have Okay, worked so in design and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know about that, yeah. So um, we had a lot of fun kind of art directing, you know, like these grand like classical illustrations that intro every section of the book. Who was your art director? A few people. Yeah. Steve Dressler did those amazing illustrations yeah. that open each section. Carly Minardo did some interior illustrations. Uh, my brother Tom Papalardo did some design work wow. as well. Yeah. Um, then Chris Tobiason did the cover and the interior, and she did a fantastic yeah. job. It really looks great. Yeah. It looks great. And so what... Um, What's the publication setup? Are you touring, or what are you what are you doing for the book? Do you know? Yeah, we're doing a light tour, um, heading to Boston and Chicago and L.A. and maybe D.C. Sort of yeah, like that. starting and, uh, here in New York. Yeah, yeah, right. So we're gonna have. Oh, I think that's gonna be really interesting. Yeah. I think it's gonna be really. I think it's, I think you're really gonna like like going to a book signing and having people wait in line, and you're gonna sign your book, and I think yeah. I think you're gonna be mobbed also. Yeah. It's a it's gonna be a weird change from like sitting in a room like working on this quietly for years. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And how how what influence did you have on the cover? Because it's a great cover too. We that was our like pickiest. That that was definitely our our moment. It it always is. You're you're not alone. (laughs) Good. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was like, are we being the worst people? I mean, we cycled through like a hundred iterations. Yeah, the cover would be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like we brought Chris on after we had seen her do the interiors. We're like, she's really good at this. Yeah. Um, and we real once she was on board, like it was just a couple iterations before we got to what we wanted. And oh, that's yeah. good. We're so excited. It's hard because it's the opposite of writing comedy where you're like, just add as many jokes and things as possible. Whereas with the cover, it's like, how do you simplify this down to the most simple like, exactly like mm-hmm. grabbable image yeah yeah and you have to think of it both on the table at bnn and and the thumbnail online at you know at exactly. iTunes. so yeah it's it's hard i will say we did really want blood coming out of the hand but a few <laughs> it, people said no and we're like we get it like, <laughs> that makes sense yeah sometimes we have to rein ourselves in so now you have the book as object is is your is your goal to sort of just reach more people, younger people, a different a different demographic than's going to come to the site. I mean, I guess I always I'm always curious what 
does success mean to each author? Because it really is always very different. I mean, it always, of course, involves selling a certain number of books, but then there's something that happens after that person purchases the book and reads it. And each author has their own individual fantasy of what that is. And I really am always love to hear that. I have, I probably have a couple little fantasies. One of them is like for someone who loved The Daily Show growing up and like America the book and those things like I just love the idea of like a young woman who's like maybe in college or younger who's like totally new to all this feminist stuff just sort of like laughing at it and like realizing all these feminist issues surround her in her day-to-day life and hopefully getting more into feminism. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, definitely second that. And (laughs) yeah, I mean, I would just love to have random strangers come up and be like, you know, I never really thought about that thing you pointed out until you said it in a weird way in the book. And um, yeah, just get those little nuggets of... I think that 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 reminds me of something that I read about Reductress, which talks about how you all are very successful at talking about really very serious subjects and and subjects that drive a woman crazy, like cause us to be furious. Um, But you walk this really fine line between this tone between, and I quote, and I think this was Wired magazine that said, you walk the line between the tone of we're fucked and we're all in this fucking together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just thought that that was a perfect way to put it because I think that really is the balance that you strike. It's like, oh man, this really is hard and this is really wrong, just really mm-hmm. wrong in many cases, but we're here together and let's work to change it and let's make the best of it and let's, you know, let's never rest, Yeah. but let's try to laugh while we're on the road to affecting this change. And I, I think that that's a, I think that's a, a hugely important thing that you have done and that I I am happy will see the light of day in terms of being in a book that yeah. was a very awkward way of just saying <laughs> I, I agree with you that I hope that you know someone picks it up and realizes oh yeah you know I, I, I knew this was sort of percolating in the back of my mind and now this has helped me articulate it and now I'm going to think about it and talk about it more yeah there's something really soothing about knowing other people are going through the same thing as yes. you yes mm-hmm what do you read? Right now I'm reading White Trash, um, which is like a great, very readable um, history of how the idea of white trash came to be from like from England and onward. May I make a recommendation? Yeah. We published a book called Hillbilly Elergy. I read that too. Oh my God, wasn't that yeah, so good? Yeah, it was fantastic. Actually, that's what led me to yeah, White Trash. so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of time for reading because I have two very small children. So yes. the last book I read was meant purely for like um, <laughs> respite from the world. So I read um, Circle of Friends by Maeve. Yes. Yeah, sure. It's like very calming. Great movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are there books that you reread regularly? Like what are your touchstone books? One book that's uh, – awesome that's like I can reread chunks of it at a time is Fernando Pessoa's The Book of Disquiet because that's just in like these nice little like bite-sized like it's like poetry like prose just little meditations that he wrote I think like in some boring office job in the 30s in Portugal and they're like fantastic and mind-blowing yeah so yeah I don't think I've read a lot of books twice I've read I think I've read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn twice like as a kid and an adult um 
What else? There's some books that almost feels like you're reading the same book because I've read a few Ken Follett books and they have a, like a very similar rhythm. <laughs> All my examples are very just Edit. like this is a soothing thing to read, like vacation. I totally book. understand. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm. I'm always like. Um, going to recommendations when people talk about books. I'm trying to think, hmm, what, what, what have I got that's like totally fun and escapism? Oh, did you read, it's not, it's not even actually ours, but the, have you read Maria Semple? Ooh, no. You guys would love Maria Semple because she's she's as funny as you are. Oh. Where'd You Go Bernadette was her first book. And the second book that I'm in the middle of now is uh, Today Will Be Different. And I, I recommend either of those. Um, one book I just want to plug that I love is the the trilogy A Discovery of Witches Ooh. by Deborah Harkness. There you go. Is, I want to read this. Yeah, it's good. It's like adult Harry Potter. Right? You know? Perfect. <laughs> all right. That sounds perfect. Well, I want to thank you both very much. And I wish you all the best on how to win at feminism for all of us, frankly. Let's all win at yes. feminism. <laughs> and I hope the book is a huge success. Thank you so very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. I'm Ana Maria Alessi, and this episode was edited by Sharon Matlin with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.